0: Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. It's that time of year again when the wealthiest people in the country are identified and ranked whether they like it or not. The List, Australia's Richest 250, has been released by The Australian today and, as always, it makes for some great reading. John Stensholt is the editor of The List and my guest this morning. John, welcome back to Fear and Greed. Thank you, Sean. Righto. Tell me it's not Gina. Is it Gina? It's Gina. Oh, She's too successful. She's too successful. So she comes in at number one. What's she worth? Yeah, she's worth about $37 billion,
1: uh, just a lazy oh. $37 billion. So the iron ore boom keeps going for her. She's uh, making massive profits from iron ore and buying uh, cattle stations as well. She has a very good line of Wagyu beef too, by the way, around uh, she... a couple of hundred restaurants in Australia. So yeah, she's doing very, very well.
0: Ah, right, oh, so if the, it's all about iron ore, presumably Andrew Forrest is number two, what's he worth? Yes, he's worth about thirty five billion. so
1: he has uh, only just missed out at number <laughs> number number one this year. so it's uh, it's all about the Fortescue share price with with, with him, but uh, and it's uh, look, it's a little bit more than last year, but it's not quite enough to uh, to catch Gina, but uh, you know they're both in the same industry and they're both doing extremely well.
0: Okay, has he ever actually caught
1: Gina? He has, yeah. I mean, look, you know, the Fortescue share price has uh, has gone up and down over years. I mean, there was a time pre or roughly the the GFC time where he was the richest person in Australia. You know, during Fortescue's first boom, I suppose, uh, during another mining boom, you might remember the mining super profits tax, and he was uh, railing against that along with Gina. And uh, you know, that's when he, I guess, when he was first became you know really really big billionaire. But he's actually worth more then than he is now.
0: Okay, so who else is in the, uh, the the top ten, John? So we've got Anthony Pratt, our you know
1: cardboard box making magnate, recycling. So number four, Harry Triggerboff, just turned ninety.
0: Now, John, I seem to remember you are quite good mates with Harry Triggerboff. In fact, I've met Harry Triggerboff with you and uh, a woman from the Australian called Lisa Allen, and it was one of the funnier meetings I've ever had. Really, he loves you.
1: We'd, uh, we uh we both attended his ninetieth birthday party uh,
0: a couple of oh, weekends
1: ago, Sean. Actually, so, yeah, we had a prominent table uh, next to Harry's, uh, you know, on the stage and so on. And uh, uh, the last I saw of Harry that night was uh, he was dancing the night away as a ninety-year-old uh, on the dance floor. Isn't that great? With his wife Rhonda. So he is still going strong. And in the magazine, he actually uh, we have an interview with him and Tim Gurner, another you know property magnate, a younger one where Harry talks about Tim as the future and he calls and he says, but I'm the present. So at number 90, he is Uh, still making
0: a lot of money. Now, does he still, I remember the meeting with him, and this was many, many years ago, John, but he had this, it's kind of this massive ledger, which actually was the rent that comes in every week or month, I can't remember, and he used to take it home on the weekends and just look through the rents that were coming in and pick those who weren't paying. It's not just
1: the rents. It's quite famous. They call it Harry's Sheets. It's probably like a sort of six or 10-inch sort of wide, you know, bundle of sheets that get sent home with him, as you say. They get printed out. They get printed out still on a Friday afternoon, and he spends Saturday morning pouring over them, and they contain all the figures uh, for Meriton. So literally, you know, sales in this area, outgoings, profits, losses, uh, the rents, as you say, the hotel bookings, all the numbers. I mean, Harry, one thing about Harry is – he may be 90, but he's extremely numerate. Uh, his, he once told me a story where he's got a mobile phone. Now, Like as uh, many people his age, he's not very great at using it, but he didn't want people's phone numbers programmed in there because he remembers the numbers off by heart. I don't think anyone else in the world would like that.
0: Wow. That is great. We digress. So Harry Triggerboff at number four worth about $23, 24000000000 Just who else is in the top 10?
1: So we've got Clive Palmer. billion at number five. So, again, mining royalties. Then a couple of tech gurus, Mike Cannon Brooks and Scott Farquhar, six and seven. Now, they're roughly, Mike's just above 16 billion and Scott's just below 16 billion. It's probably because Mike's got more uh, Sydney prestige property. Ivan Glassenberg, who's a South African born, Switzerland resident, Australian citizen, he's number eight, the Glencore boss, about 12, 12 and a half billion, and then nine and 10. Uh, some more technology there. Cliff Overick, Melanie Perkins of Canva. So they're uh, well, they're about 10.4 billion this year, and uh, as you may want to discuss, they're one of the people that have dropped uh, a fair bit of $4 uh, yes this year.
0: So let's use them as an example. What has been the shift in terms of sectors? You know how the iron ore guys obviously have done pretty well. What about the property guys? What about the tech barons? What about the manufacturers? Not just the top 10, but across the list. Well, technology, even if you count the four that we just talked about on the top 10 there, the two
1: Atlassian co founders and the two Canva co founders, between the four of them, they have dropped 25 billion this year on wow. their paper fortune. So that that is a barometer of, of what's happened to tech the technology industry, you know, tech share prices on the NASDAQ, uh, valuations of private companies like Canva as well. So yeah, so in the last few years, you know, you saw the rise and rise of the tech barons, you know, they've become such a, you know, part of, I guess, modern society in terms of, you know, the altruism and the sort of green technology push that they're also doing outside of their, their day jobs. But they've lost a lot of money this year, you know, the tech downturn, you know, with the crypto winter, as it's been called as well, it's a sort of adjacency. So that's gone down. And what we're seeing is, is a bit of a rise of some old-fashioned industries, I suppose, like manufacturing, mining, property. They've done pretty well. So you talk about someone like an Anthony Pratt, you know, his profits have held up because he keeps building, you know, cardboard box-making facilities across America. So, look, some of these old-fashioned industries are suddenly back in fashion because, you know what, they actually make profits, and that counts for something.
0: Stay with me, John. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is John Stensholt, editor of the list Australia's Richest Two Hundred and Fifty. John, when you put the list together, when it, I mean John and I worked together many years ago. John was the editor of the list when it was another guys, and uh, I worked for John. What's it like? Do these people? Gina, Andrew Forrest, the Pratts, Triguboff, the Atlassian boys, et cetera, do they actually talk to you? Do, do you ring them and say, hey, Mike Cannon-Brooks, by the way, I reckon that you're worth about $16 billion. What do you reckon? Is that how it works? Absolutely. So we at least try to reach out. Now some of them don't don't want
1: to chat, but I think they're in the minority. So there's a lot of the people on the list that uh, do speak to me confidentially more than anyone would realize. I reckon probably say four out of five, maybe eighty percent of the list, you know, do engage. Some of it's just a look. Thank you very much. Thanks for letting me know. Uh, certainly this year I've had discussions with people where they've said, "Oh, actually, you know, my profit." valuation is a bit more like the profit multiple that I might use for a private company. No, I valued it on, you on eight times earnings. No, actually, I think it's probably about 12 times earnings because that's the multiple that we use in the industry, which obviously makes them wealthier on paper. Yeah. You know, what about the building that I own as well? You know, that's worth 50 million. You need to include that. So, yeah, so that I definitely get a lot of feedback. It's uh, I do have a crazy couple of weeks where I'm towards the end of the process where I'm calling and calling. I end up, I suppose, having these bizarre conversations with billionaires sort of where I say, I think you're worth, say, $1.25 <laughs> and someone – and he'll say or she will say, no, I think you am worth $1.43. And I say, okay, fine. That's, 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 that's good. I mean, it's good to actually hear that, I suppose, but it is a bit weird when you think about it.
0: Yeah. And do, do people – I mean, I remember you once saying, you know, the, the thing they like less than being on the list is falling off the list. Is that still the case?
1: Oh, clearly, yeah. I mean, there is, I mean, it's, as strange as it sounds, there is some sort of cachet with being amongst the, you know, the wealthiest, most powerful people in the country. I mean, Anthony Pratt has topped this list before and he's talked about to me and in articles that I've written about, you know, like being number one or being close to number one does open doors with, you know, politicians or other business people, does give you some sort of cachet or prestige, as, as strange as it might sound. And it does certainly help with customers as well. I had someone who didn't talk to me much last year that I had a valuation at a certain number. This year, they called me back and said, oh, look, you know, our customers were asking about the number because they said, mm, you're actually smaller than we think you are as a B2B sort of concern, business to business. And, and so, they've adjusted their the valuation accordingly just because that they know it has some sort of public profile so yeah definitely interesting uh insight into their minds
0: a couple of names that used to be on this list and this is many years ago that aren't well at least not in the top 10 i'm sure they're on the list uh packer being one name murdoch being another name they're still on the list just not as high is that right
1: yeah james packer's still definitely on the list and and look he, he split some of the wealth got split to his sister, Grateful as well. She's on the list. They're both billionaires. James is roughly sort of 3.5, 3.6 billion now. Remember, he sold out of Crown Casino, you know, finally last year. Some tax implications with that as well. Look, his wealth has certainly fallen on paper in recent years. I mean, I don't think he's uh, he's struggling at the moment. He's you know he just took his huge super yacht to Saudi Arabia for the uh, the recent <laughs> Grand Prix there, so he's going all right. Yeah, he's definitely still on the list. Lachlan Murdoch is you know, obviously uh, boss of ours here at News Corp. He's definitely on the list, and uh, yes, we do check these valuations with the, all these people that you do mention. So yeah, absolutely. Look, there's still you know big. You're right, big, powerful, older generational names but I think the beauty of this list is when you bring new names on it and that just shows you know how the economy and how uh, modern society changes along you know along the lines with you know how the list changes too.
0: So the full list is out Friday is there much of it with the 250 is there much of a change this year I mean the top 10 are fairly similar but is there much of a change through the list versus last year?
1: Yeah, I tend to I tend to generally average about you know twenty odd new names every year. And I think this year I've got about sixteen or so, and there's a lot of people that just miss that list as well, right? I mean, I probably if I made it a well, I mean, I don't really want to make too much work for myself. but I made it a top three hundred, there'd be all sorts of new, really interesting people that just come just below that cutoff. But yeah, so we got a crypto gambling billionaire Ed Craven who's on the list for the first time. He's 27 years old and he's worth about wow. 2.01 billion. We We've got you know the Penrite founders, which is an old Australian family business, you know, they're making big profits. There's female retailers that have come onto the list for the first time, the Zimmerman sisters, who are a massive name in fashion. They are such a really, really good business that's been exported around the world. So I think that's the really interesting part. So the new names just show you how business is changing in Australia, how society is changing along with that, and, you know, consumption habits or spending habits and all those sort of other sort of economic signposts that, that the list can show
0: how long have you been putting this list together in one form or another? Uh, the first one, Sean, I think that was
1: uh, in your younger days in around 2008. So that, uh, that might date both of us. That's been 15 years now. Goodness me.
0: Wow. And you're really, really good at it, John. Thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks, Sean. That was John Stenshold, editor of The List, Australia's richest 250. The full list, of course, is out tomorrow. This is the Fear and Greed Daily interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.